Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho. Oh, H to the OV. I used to move snowflakes by the OZ. I guess even back then you can call me CEO of the ROC. Ho. Fresh out the frying pan into the fire. I be the music man's number one supplier. Fly it in a piece of paper bearing my name. Got the hottest chick in the game wearing my chain. That's right, ho. Not DOC, but similar to them letters. No one could do it better. I check chatter like Welcome to DFS MVP, Daily Fantasy Sports Most valuable podcast presented by 444 football i'm 444 senior dfs editor chris raybon joined as always by my guy mr tj hernandez what's up tj what's going on chris uh just getting getting ready for another week man i'm, I'm excited uh we finally got a couple free squares on the slate we got uh, prime time with unique pricing which is always throwing it soft but it's it's gonna be fun Oh yeah, it's a lot, lot to get into today. We will do a breakdown of the primetime slate again for our DFS theory segment. The music that played us in this week was a classic Jay-Z public service announcement off of his 2003 album, The Black Album, which at the time we thought was going to be his last album. Of course, he came back, actually released an album called 444, which was pretty good. So um, check out Black Album if you haven't. Check out 444. Um, Jay-Z, it's hard for him not to make classic music at this point. And I want to remind you guys, if you rate and review DFS MVP on iTunes and send a screenshot to DFS MVP at 444.com, you can get 25% off a 4 for 4 DFS subscription. Let's get right into these week six plays. TJ, who are you looking at at the quarterback position? Quarterback. Yeah, one guy that I really like this week is Kirk Cousins against the 49ers. Uh, he's priced at $7,800 on FanDuel and $6,800 on DraftKings. That makes him a, a top two FanDuel value according to the 4 for 4 projections. And he's priced basically the same as Deshaun Watson, who we're going to get to shortly. Uh, but I always like those spots where you can pivot off of a player that's likely to be the most popular play of the week. And uh, I, I really like that on DraftKings because he's sandwiched right between Watson and Matt Ryan. Uh, I think Ryan's going to be another popular play just because the Falcons are going to have uh, the highest projected team total on on the week. So uh, I, I just like where he's priced relative to those guys. And uh, Redskins are as just a good a spot as anybody this week. They're 10-point favorites with an implied team total over 28 points. Uh, it looks like Rob Kelly isn't going to play. They, they call them a long shot to play. And that means that they'll probably go with a more uh, pass-heavy game plan. Even if he did play, I think that's how they would attack this 49ers uh, defense. They rank outside the top 20 versus quarterbacks when adjusted for strength of schedule in terms of fantasy points allowed. And then their corners really struggle. Uh, if we look at PFF's grading system, all three of their starting corners rank in the bottom 11, I think out of 112 qualifying corners. And then when the Redskins do score, it's mostly been through the air, 78 percent of their touchdowns have come through the air this year that's top 10 and uh, touchdown rate through the air so I just like the Redskins in the spot I think they're going to roll out a pass heavy game plan in a game where I think they're going to score a lot of points yeah I love the call I love the Redskins offense this week I think that as you alluded to is probably going to be the offense that goes a bit underlooked coming off a bye week extra week to rest up and plan for a San Francisco team that was on the road for an overtime game and now is going to come on the road again across the country for 
another game on the road. So I really do like the spot for the entire Redskins offense. I think we'll maybe we'll see some more Jameson Crowder. I, I think he's probably as healthy as he's uh, been all season. So it should be interesting what the Redskins do there. Um, I got, of course, Deshaun Watson. He, he'll, he will be, I'm guessing, the most popular quarterback play on the slate this week. But for extremely good reason, I think he's just like Dak was kind of that guy you wanted to go to and cash games last week. I think Deshaun Watson is probably that guy you're going to want to get in your cash games this week. And of course, he has that tournament equity just because he leads the National Football League in total touchdowns among quarterbacks. He's got 12 passing touchdowns and two rushing touchdowns. That's 14 total touchdowns. That's more than any quarterback. And remember, he didn't even start in week one. And of course, he has the dream matchup. The Cleveland Browns are ranked dead last in four for fours custom metric, which is schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed uh, to the quarterback position. The uh, Texans are nine and a half point home favorites The with a 28.25 implied total. The overrunner on this game has been bet up since it opened it's up around 47 now I think that is probably the smart play here I know the Texans did struggle on offense for a while for probably a whole half against the Kansas City Chiefs last week but I think this week is going to be a higher scoring game remember the Texans lost two key defensive players in J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless and the Cleveland Browns last week actually did move the ball on the New York Jets they just had a, a string of just silly turnovers in scoring position that ultimately got Deshaun Kaiser bent. So I don't think Cleveland is just going to come out here and, and, and struggle to move the ball completely. I think this they might actually get to something going this week a little, which would keep the pressure on Deshaun to continue to score. And I mean, Watson, he's just balling this year. Leads the NFL in passing touchdown rate. Leads all quarterbacks in rushing yards with 179. And the Browns are only one of one of only three teams, excuse me, to give up multiple rushing touchdowns to quarterbacks already this season. And Cleveland also likes to play coverage with one safety, usually Jabril Peppers, really deep down the field, 25 yards down the field. And if you're going to have a safety back, I think that can that can help Watson uh, find some rushing lanes underneath when, when he wants to take off. So a lot of things to like about uh, Deshaun Watson this weekend. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one play I'm going to touch on a little more. I, I like both of those quarterbacks uh, that we talked about just because I mentioned up top, we don't uh, we haven't had a, a free square, so to speak, and just that like cheap, easy value that's really obvious to everybody. And uh, what that's caused a lot of people to do is uh, pay down at least like DraftKings cash games, force you to pay down a quarterback. Uh, Watson and Cousins are good values but they're not like that dirt cheap quarterback and uh i think this week you don't have to do that and one of those reasons you don't have to do that is because of the running backs we're going to be talking about running back and uh, i'm going to start with who I, I think will probably be the most popular play of the week especially on DraftKings, and that's Jarrett mckinnon he's uh 5600 on fanduel 4100 on DraftKings versus the packers we saw uh mckinnon play 67 percent of the snaps last week with dalvin cook out now latavius murray did start and their their touch share was 17 touches to uh, mckinnon to 14 for uh, latavius but uh, like i mentioned mckinnon did dominate 
dominate the snaps. Latavius got the start, but after a, a few touches, it was pretty clear who the better back was. And uh, Minnesota rode that hot hand. McKinnon ending up with 42% total touch share. Now, Minnesota is a three-point underdog, but uh, if there is a running back that's going to benefit from that situation in this backfield, it's going to be McKinnon. He only caught one ball, but he did see uh, six targets last week. So that's obviously encouraging against this Packers team. I mean, the the Minnesota defense is good, but I still think this is going to be a relatively high-scoring game, and Minnesota is going to have to uh, pass a fair amount. And all of that means that uh, McKinnon is justifiably a top three value uh, value on DraftKings this week. Yeah, I like it. I think McKinnon has a lot more safety and upside built in just because of those uh, targets he's going to see mm-hmm. in the passing game compared to Murray, who seems to be being used as more of just a, a two down back. Um, I'll talk about another back who is not much more expensive than McKinnon, only 300 more on each site. And that's Mark Ingram of the New Orleans Saints. He's 4,400 on DraftKings, 5,900 on FanDuel. He is the number one value on four for four of all players priced under 6,000 on FanDuel. And he's the number four overall running back value on DraftKings. Uh, Ingram's already averaging 16 carries plus targets per game. And that was before uh, Adrian Peterson, of course, was traded to the Arizona Cardinals. Over his last two games, Ingram is averaging 20 carries plus targets. So his role is essentially going to go back to what it was these last three seasons when he was a fantasy RB1. He, last season, he finished 12th, 13th uh, in points per game, depending on what scoring system you're using. And if you could tell me that you were going to have a running back home favorite with one of the teams with the highest implied total of the week, and you could get that back for 4,400 on DK and 5,900 on FanDuel, I think you would jump on it. So um, don't sleep on Mark Ingram this week. And, you know, I think this is going to become a, a two dog backfield now. It's going to be Ingram. It's going to be Kamara. He's going to get mixed in as well. But uh, Ingram's going to handle more of the carries, more of the goal line work. And he still gets a, a good amount of targets, still 5.5 targets a game. That's with Kamara. Mara here and with Peterson on the roster and just as far as you know this whole Ingram Peterson thing I mean I wrote an article in the preseason I think it was literally titled you know stop drafting Adrian Peterson over Mark Ingram I think this is something that as we kind of go forward in the NFL you're going to see a lot more of and just something to note I think you're going to see these a lot more teams just trying as hard as they can to incorporate these backs that can 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 function in the passing game at the expense of these running backs like Peterson. I think they're a dying breed. I think teams are just realizing that these kind of these backs that number one can catch the ball, but you know even if you don't have a back like Engram who can do it all, like if you see a back like you know JD McKissick in Seattle um, where they're starting to use him more, and just teams starting to realize that they have a better shot with these with these pass catching back, these change of pace kind of backs. And I think the Patriots kind of, of course, were ahead of the curve with that. They have three different running backs on the on the roster who can do that and White, Lewis, and Burkhead. And then, you know, Gillisley is their, their one power back. So I think just going forward, I you know I, I know a lot of people expected um, good things from Adrian Peterson, um, but but he just, his, his type of, the type of player he is doesn't really fit in the NFL anymore. And I think I wouldn't be surprised to see a team like the Seahawks coming out of the bye. I, I, would, I would, I would, if I was them, I would kind of go with CJ Procise if he's healthy as my, as my lead back and, uh, and McKissick as my change of pace. And I think more teams should just consider just doing that. Like instead of having these 
three, you know, these this, this change of pace and then the power back and then, you know, on the roster, I, you know, if you can have three of those change of pace, pass catching specialist kind of backs on the roster, I say go for it. You know, we see a team like Washington, you know, Chris Thompson breaking off a touchdown every other run. Meanwhile, Samaje P. Ryan, you know, runs 40 times, barely gets to, to, to 100 yards. So I think you're going to see a lot more of these these backs like Duke Johnson. You know, Isaiah Crowell has over, you know, 80 carries this year and he's not done nothing with them. We see Duke Johnson scoring a touchdown every game. So I think you're going to see a lot more of these backs um, as we go forward. Those are the kind of backs I would be targeting um, in fantasy, in DFS, um, just, you know, going forward through the years and, and just um, as we go through the rest rest of this year. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you brought up Bingram because I think this is a um, it's going to be a point of contention for a lot of people this week. Ingram uh, versus Kamara, and I've already seen uh, quite a bit of of Kamara love. With the thought being that he's the PPR back, and this is going to be a high scoring game. But you mentioned it that uh, Mark Ingram is going to get back to that workload where he's been basically a top ten fantasy running back over the last two years. And you wrote about it in the preseason. I actually wrote about it two weeks ago. Uh, we've we've been doing weekly columns for sports illustrated and uh it was basically a, a who should you buy low on column and ingram's been seeing pretty much the same snap share if not more that he has been seeing the last couple years with peterson uh in town now peterson's only been around like that 10 15 percent snap share but still that's just a, a couple more snaps for both him and and kamara and the reason i like ingram this week is because coming off the bye i actually think uh new orleans wins this game pretty handily i think you'll have a little more to say about that later but uh both are going to be fine but i think ingram is is pretty clearly the play this week yeah, I mean, he's, he's getting the, I mean, when we're, when we're looking at these low salary plays, like, let's be real. Every week, you, whether it's cash games or tournaments, it's a little different, but you have to hit on your, your low salary plays to mm-hmm. some degree. And Ingram just getting more, more volume. And that's, that just gives him, it gives him a, a higher floor and a higher ceiling. Um, I think Kamara is certainly a viable play, especially in tournaments. I mean, just based on the fact that he, he probably will get, you know, a chance to touch the ball, um, in the double digits as well. Very, explosive player in his own right and his his snap count should go up a little too but when you're talking about just that overall safety that upside the ability to catch passes rack up rushing yards and um get some goal line work i think ingram is still is still the play there as you mentioned yeah and and one last note on running backs we mentioned the these cheap guys obviously there's going to be some really good uh expensive players but we really haven't had this situation as i've mentioned before and these free squares that we've mentioned uh they're not generally the spots that you want to fade even in gpps and again we just we haven't had to deal with it yet we just haven't got lucky enough to have this uh situation and this super cheap running back volume we've seen it so many times where people just go kind of overboard on the gpp theory and thinking that ownership's going to be too high but uh in general this isn't a spot to fade for either of these guys yeah and we 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 know that in winning lineups in even the largest field gpps there's running backs that there's i think one running back averages like the top owned running back in the winning sunday million and DraftKings millie maker averages around 25 percent ownership so you can get away you know that there's just value there that you don't necessarily want to get away from now on Fanduel, where you, you're only locked into two running backs i think it makes some sense to to pay up at running back this week because everyone else probably will want to use uh 
at least one of those cheap guys. But on DraftKings, when you have that flex, um, it just gives you so much predictability for that flex spot at such a cheap price. Um, that is generally something you don't want to pass up because you don't necessarily even need that player in that flex to to hit like a, a straight up home run, like 20, 28 to 30 points. Sometimes if you can hit the rest of your lineup with your higher salary plays, you may only need um, your, your flex, you know, at, at a 4,400, 4,100, something, you know, give you 15, 18 points or something like that. Um, talked about that a little bit last week, I believe with, uh, with, with Brian Hoyer, um, and, and, and how I thought, you know, him, McCown, Brissett, you know, just these quarterbacks that were really cheap were going to probably, um, allow people to, you know, if they can just, if they didn't have to be the highest scoring quarterback on the slate, but at that price, they could, uh, help people, you know, do a lot of things with their lineup. And, you know, our boy Cal Spears over at Roto Grinders actually took down the, the, uh, the Millie with Brian Hoyer in at quarterback last week. So um, definitely something to think about when, when you're, when you're kind of choosing these low salary salary plays you don't necessarily need to hit a super home run um you do you need to get them usually further than what some people try to do with just the, the linear value multiplier like 3x or 5x or whatever but um they, they don't necessarily need to be a home run so I, I really like that uh point you made about you know they're just free squares they're safe um and, and they're probably going to be uh very valuable even in tournaments wide receiver yeah, man. So let's, uh, you, you mentioned a, a couple points about pricing and I'm going to go ahead and move on to wide receivers and I'm going to start with, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, we're, we're doing FanDuel, uh, one FanDuel, one DraftKings wide receiver each for those that haven't got a chance to listen yet. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is our top value on, on both sites. Uh, eight, dollars $8, on FanDuel, 8,100 on DraftKings. Uh, the reason I chose him as my FanDuel, uh, wide receiver is because, uh, as you mentioned, there's, there's uh, a little bit more room on FanDuel for price and you don't necessarily need that free square and for that reason it's a little easier to pay up at wide receiver uh, with those free squares there is a way to fit them in on both sides but just from a cash game perspective you're not uh, losing as much other positions by rostering him there I mean his volume pretty much has spoken for itself this season he's seen a 39% target share through five games that's five points higher than uh, the number two wide receiver he's seen 40% of the team's targets in three of their five games and 35% of their targets in every game not versus Bill Belichick and on top of that there's only four players with more red zone targets than him this year and you mentioned how great this matchup is for Deshaun Watson and for all of those points it's a really good spot for DeAndre Hopkins. I think some people might look at, uh, at wide receiver scoring in general versus Cleveland. And if there's one uh, position where you could kind of throw those cumulative uh, fantasy points out the window, it's wide receiver because there's just so much to take in. There's separate quarterback matchups. There's uh, wide receivers on different sides of the field. And yes, Cleveland does uh, rate very good as a whole versus wide receivers, both in raw fantasy points and in our adjusted fantasy points allowed metric. But if you look at those top receivers that they face this year, uh, Antonio Brown, T.Y. Hilton, A.J. Green, those guys have put up 29.2, 28.3, and 17.3 PPR points respectively. So even if the Houston wide receiver core as a whole doesn't have a great game against Cleveland, uh, DeAndre Hopkins is a guy that I think is uh, going to do really good in this spot. And then moving over to DraftKings, uh, more help from 
injuries at uh, at a similar position. We have Taylor Gabriel at 4,600 versus the Dolphins. Julio's limited with a hip, but he is likely to play, but still he's limited. It already looks like Mohamed Sanu is going to be out with the hamstring uh, injury that went back to uh, before their bye week. Atlanta has the highest implied point total of the week. I, I mentioned when discussing uh, quarterbacks briefly that I think this is a really good spot for Matt Ryan. And uh, Taylor Taylor Gabriel, we've seen him go on, on short stint of really big production and uh, it is uh, uh, quote unquote unsustainable production just because it's a lot of those short passes that go for long plays we saw it two weeks ago he took a screen to the house uh, but in his one game without Sanu he put up a 382 one line and then in his two seasons he's played three games without Sanu or Julio Jones and he's averaged 75 yards and a touchdown in those games so I think that the the Falcons are going to find a way to get the ball to Gabriel with uh, kind of a banged up receiving core and obviously uh, Vegas isn't too worried about those injuries because like I mentioned Atlanta has that huge point total and I think Gabriel uh, could find the end zone once maybe even twice this week yeah one of my favorite Taylor Gabriel stats and I'm not sure exactly what it is I haven't checked um, this week because they had a bye but a couple weeks ago I know it was coming into the one of their games you know he he scored a touchdown I think like on every um, six or seven touches indoors in Atlanta and it's only like one every 28 or 29 touches um, outdoors and they'll be at home indoors coming off the bye so yeah I, th- I think there's a good shot that they that they scheme him up a couple of plays um, either deep or with those screen passes um, to get him uh, into the end zone so I, I do like that call um, for my wide receivers starting out on DraftKings. Let's go with Keenan Allen. I really like him as a pivot off DeAndre Hopkins. He's Allen is fourth in the NFL in targets per game at 10.4. He has the most, he has been getting the most consistent targets on a game to game basis. If you look at the coefficient of variation of targets over these five weeks, which is just standard deviation divided into the mean, um, Allen's is only 11%, which is really unheard of. He, uh, has at least nine targets in every single game. So, you know, very consistent um, target share, $200 cheaper than Hopkins. Um, actually, you know, just, I know, of course, the, uh, the AFPA to wide receivers, the schedule adjusted fantasy points, you have to break it down more, but, um, just, uh, on a general level, you know, Oakland actually ranks 21st. Um, that's, that's worse than Cleveland, which ranks 16th. So a little better matchup than Hopkins, seven red zone targets tied for fifth in the league with Hopkins. So you, you have a really interesting arbitrage play here with, um, you know, Allen going over Allen pivoting off Hopkins to, to Allen. I think it's a really interesting play, maybe especially in lineups in tournaments if you're playing Lamar Miller or somebody like that. Um, I think it's a really interesting move. And also, I like Allen in this spot because his salary is 7,900 on DraftKings, it's 7,200 on FanDuel. And what I found is that, um, DraftKings salaries and higher DraftKings pricing is more predictive of fantasy production than than FanDuel's um it has has a higher correlation so that essentially means that DraftKings pricing is a little more accurate and that's probably because um they're pricing according to full PPR scoring which makes a little which makes more sense anyway um but you know Allen's got that higher salary on DraftKings so um it's just another point um box that he checks there and then for FanDuel let's go with Adam Thielen 6,500 he has five receptions in every single game 
Stefan Diggs a little banged up this week, and the uh, Thielen is actually eighth in target game-to-game target consistency at 18%. He's had eight or more targets in four out of five games. The Green Bay Packers are a team that you want to attack with the wide receivers. Opponents attack them with wide receivers. 64% of targets directed um, at Green Bay have gone to the wide receiver uh, position, uh, and that is second most in the league. So opponents really zeroing in on those guys, Calvin King and Quentin Rollins and Demarius Randall. They're just a, a young cornerback group. You know, I know they have Devon House there, but for the most part, young cornerback group that um, is liable to give up uh, big plays and, you know, Packers ranked 24th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. And Thielen has some upside. Um, he already showed it once this year, 27.7 points on DraftKings um, in week one. And he also had a 47.6 point game in week 16 last season. And who I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen with Sam Bradford versus Case Keenum this week. But if anything, that probably will create some uncertainty and keep Thielen's ownership low, but I don't really think it matters. I don't, there hasn't really been any drop off when you go from Bradford to Keenum. Keenum is 10th out of 32 qualified quarterbacks in QB rating this year at 97.6. He's completing 65% of his passes, four touchdowns, no interceptions, fourth best sack rate in the league. So Keenum should be able to keep this offense on schedule. And I think they're going to have to be throwing more than usual because Green Bay is a team that can put up more points than most teams can on that Minnesota defense. Yeah, I I like a couple things about the guys you mentioned. I mean, obviously Keenan Allen is is in a really good spot versus that secondary of the Raiders. Uh, they have a couple injuries that they're dealing with in the secondary too, so they've already been pretty poor and then uh, banged up back there. And you briefly mentioned the uncertainty with the uh, quarterbacks for the Vikings. I think that combined with the fact that a lot of people are, are going to be rostering McKinnon and are just averse to that running back wide receiver stack uh, makes it a, a really attractive option. And then you have Diggs dealing with, I think it was a growing injury, even though he's expected to play. I mean, that's that obviously hamper those lower body injuries, hamper wide receivers a lot. I, even though there aren't like really crazy glaring matchups in this game i still think just because it's a a aaron Rodgers uh game that it could be one of those sneaky shootouts so i actually don't mind pairing up thielen and mckinnon together in gpps this week titan so uh moving on to the tight end position the highest scoring game of the week is expected to be the saints and the lions they're playing in uh, new orleans and we always know that there's there's a lot of fireworks there and i think a player that uh, might be going over might end up going a little bit overlooked in that game is kobe fleener 5100 on fanduel 3200 dollars on DraftKings. Uh, new orleans is favored by six at home that's already up from uh, four and a half points that it opened at and we know from the study we've done at four for four that a home favorite is generally more consistent and has more upside at the tight end position and like i said this this could be the the highest scoring game of the week so norns could put up a, a really big number here fleener's averaging less than four targets per game but he has seen four red zone targets on the season so going all the way back to the beginning of last year he's just been a a really consistent red zone target for drew Brees. and uh, D- if we look at raw fantasy points detroit ranks 
right in the middle, 15th in raw fantasy points allowed. But adjusted for strength of schedule, they rank 25th in tight end AFPA, and they've allowed the most yards per target uh, to the position. Only two teams have allowed double-digit yards per target, and Detroit's allowed over 12 yards per target to the position. So uh, really struggling there on a per-target basis. Yeah, it's because they gave up 35 yards per catch to Ed Dixon last week. <laughs> yeah. like, Ed Dixon out he out yardaged him his whole season. I no, I think he out yardaged his whole last season too in in that one game last week against against Detroit. It yeah, was he, crazy. Was, he was running wild. Uh that that was a pretty crazy <laughs> thing to watch. Um I got Ryan Griffin and he his name isn't as important as the defense he's facing which is the Cleveland Browns, uh, who rank 32nd in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to the tight end position. In, in four out of five weeks this season, we've been able to attack the Cleveland Browns with a lot of success in in DFS, and I think you just got to keep it keep it going here with Ryan Griffin. He's playing on 88% of the Houston Texans snap, so he is Deshaun Watson's Starting tight end, we saw him drop a five catch, 61 yard, one touchdown line in week three. He's been a little quiet since, but as I mentioned, playing 88% of the snaps over those last three games. And I mean, for Cleveland, it's been Jesse James, two touchdowns in week one, Ben Watson, eight catches and 91 yards in week two. Um, then Jack Doyle had the quiet week three. That was the only time they really shut. Uh, any tight end down go back to week four Tyler Croft two touchdowns and then last week Austin Safarian Jenkins mentioned him on the pod um six catches and a touchdown for him so um this Cleveland defense you just have to attack it every week I think you can play Ryan Griffin in cash games especially on FanDuel where he's still um the minimum priced uh at minimum price excuse me and um I think in tournaments you know it'll probably be the Hopkins stack that'll be the most popular with Watson so I think you add in Griffin or you pivot to Griffin instead because uh, I think even Will Fuller will probably be the second most popular. So a um, lot of equity here with, with Ryan Griffin going against this defense that, as I mentioned, they, they like to play that safety back and maybe that helps them, I guess, with balls going over their head, but it does, it, they give up a lot of high percentage looks to the tight end and in the red zone, they haven't had much success stopping them either. Yeah, you, you mentioned the discrepancy uh, in that pricing. Ryan Griffin is the tight end six on DraftKings, but there's 25 tight ends priced ahead of priced ahead of him on uh, FanDuel this week. Yeah, and that's and I talked about that earlier. That is DraftKings pricing is the more predictive pricing. You know, if you look at the correlations for DraftKings pricing to points, um, they're higher than for FanDuel at every position but quarterback, where they're relatively uh, equal. Um, and, and again, that all makes some sense because you're dealing with this full PPR scoring. And mm-hmm. as I mentioned, you know, Griffin already had a five catch, sixty yard touchdown game over the last three weeks. So uh, like the uh, like the matchup for him this week. As far as kickers. Will Lutz, uh, TJ already mentioned it, and New Orleans Saints, high implied total at home in the Dome. Lutz 4,700 going against the Detroit Lions, and uh, I think the Saints should have a lot of opportunities to go up and down the field. We saw Carolina put up 27 points on them last week, and I think the Saints coming off the bye should be able to, to do uh, at least that, if not more. Defense. Yeah, and, and for my defense, uh, the top projected defense on the main slate, both sides at four for four, is the Ravens. They're $4,900 on FanDuel, $3,700 on DraftKings. We've uh, mentioned uh, a lot of value plays, and 
I think you probably don't have to punt defense this week. If if you want to pay up, you could probably afford to do so without losing much in terms of floor or ceiling at the other positions. They're going to be facing a rookie quarterback in Mitch Trubisky making his second start. The Ravens are favored by six and a half at home. Chicago has uh, the lowest implied point total on the main slate, expected to score just over 16 points. Uh, Trubisky threw a pick on just 25 attempts last week. That's a 4% interception rate. Now, obviously, that's, that's a small sample, but that's a really high interception rate, and Baltimore's forced the second highest interception rate this year uh, of all defenses. So with that... Um, with that bit expected big lead against a rookie quarterback, we could see quite a few turnovers this week from the Bears. <clears throat> fantasy football fans, listen up. It's not too late to download the highest rated fantasy football app, Draft. Playing a real live snake draft, but be done in under five minutes and they last for just one week. Drafts start every couple of minutes so you can join one right now for week six. The best part? Play for cold, hard cash. And get this, your chances of winning are 80% better than on the salary cap sites. All new players get a free entry into a real money draft when you make your first deposit. But you have to use the promo code 4 for 4 That's right. Play a real money game for free just by using the promo code 4 for 4 That's the number 4, the letters F-O-R, and the number 4. And it gets even better. Draft is so sure, you'll love it, that they're even offering DFS MVP listeners a money back guarantee up to $100. Just search Draft in your app store or go to draft.com and come play free right now with promo code 4 for 4. Let's get into the primetime slate this week. It's going to be interesting. We have the New York Giants traveling to Denver without three of their top wide receivers. We'll see about Sterling Shepard. And then on Monday night, we have the Indianapolis Colts going up against the Tennessee Titans in a division game. So let's start with this Sunday night game, Giants and the Denver Broncos. It's not looking good for the Giants. The the total is 39. Denver's favored by 12 points. So that's the Giants implied total is 13 and a half. And that is almost unheard of uh, the best play in this game is it is it the Broncos defense I mean are, are, do they have the highest essentially the highest you know uh, chances of hitting value of any play in this game yeah I mean I think they're definitely the the safest play uh, but when I look at this game what I see is an opportunity to get a uh, a couple really high scoring offensive players on the Broncos side because of how decimated the Giants are. We've seen it before when uh, a team just kind of falls apart. It, it even though they're they're it's not their defense that's hurt. Uh, they could just get blown out and. There are a, a couple spots to leverage here. Now, a lot of people are going to be looking at the Indianapolis-Tennessee game that we're going to talk about next and think that this is going to be a huge shootout uh, just because of the defenses involved. But Denver's in a really good spot to uh, put up uh, qu- quite a few points against the Giants because of the reasons we mentioned. And what the guy I'm looking at is C.J. Anderson because if we look at 4-4 adjusted fantasy points allowed, uh, the Giants rank second against wide receivers, but 23rd against running backs. And with that 12.5 point spread, 
Anderson could be in just that perfect game script spot that really favors him. And I don't know how many people are going to be uh, excited about that play because this week, both sites went back to the unique pricing for the primetime slate. So the prices you see on like the Thursday to Monday slate aren't the same. So CJ is up there among the most expensive players, but I really like him in this spot. Yeah, I think, you know, he's got everything going for him, home favorite running back. He's getting about an even 70% of the snaps in every game because they're essentially capping Jamal Charles at about 30%. He actually lost some snaps to Devontae Booker last week. So, you know, Giants, this is a, this is, I talked about this in my slate breakdown, my FanDuel slate breakdown for four for four DFS subscribers last week that, you know, I, I always kind of start off by looking at a few games that I want to target that I think can go over the, uh, Vegas total or teams that I think can go over their implied total because I think that's where you find you find a lot of value because um you know those are going to be the highest scoring teams of the week the most touchdowns etc and you know one team I was really looking at last week was the Chargers and you know I mentioned that this Giants defense isn't really what we think it is or what we thought it was or what it was last year um not has not been a very good defense up until this point. The run defense really hasn't been there. And I don't know if that's a function of Olivier Vernon and Jason Pierre-Paul just being banged up. I mean, JPP has a shoulder. Vernon has an ankle. Um, they, they've been rated really poorly um, by PFF in terms of their grades, just not really playing up to what, what we expect from them. And we know the Giants linebackers are never very good. And so what that what happens is now you have Snacks Harrison in the middle, but, but you run away from him and you're looking at a lot of holes I mean I think we started to see it as early as as week two when the Lions were able to seal a game late with a a really long Amir Abdullah run and you know the Lions haven't been able to get many of those um with with him so I think he started to see it there and and this run defense just um is not one you have to fear at all I think Anderson is the best um, running back play on the slate. And I think you also have to look at the Broncos passing game in this one because the Giants haven't been all that good in defending the pass either. And now we're looking at a situation where their slot cornerback, Dominic Rogers Comarty, one of their veterans, one of their better players has been suspended from the team. He blew up on Ben McAdoo apparently because he wanted to play outside um, corner, which is where Eli Apple plays. And Apple has been getting toasted this year has given up four touchdowns that's that leads the league um we're tied for the league league I should say third most targets in the league at 37 ninth most yards 305 allowed for Eli Apple and you're gonna have both Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders running 42 percent of their routes to his side of the field each so they they they're both should see him uh, a ton uh, and, and now you're gonna have the Giants down a cornerback so you know you're gonna have a thin secondary that's a situation I always like to attack you know somebody goes down with an injury in the game it gets even thinner you get further down that depth chart so you can attack the Giants that way with the wideouts and then you can also attack the Giants with the tight end I mean if it's not for the Cleveland Browns the New York Giants are the worst team in the league at defending that position they rank 31st in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to the tight end position only the Browns are worse and just note that for the Broncos I know Virgil Green is technically listed as a starter at tight end he plays more snaps but it's actually AJ Derby who runs more pass routes this season he's run 77 pass routes has Derby while Virgil Green the blocking tight end has run only 50 pass routes so if you're looking to attack that Giants 
defense with the tight end position as we always are especially on a slate like this where a, a low salary play can make a big difference um I think Derby is kind of the preferred player though you know if you're on DraftKings and you have that flex I think you could get creative maybe and put a uh, green and Derby in the lineup together I wouldn't be surprised to see either of them catch touchdown pass or rack up more volume than usual against this vulnerable giant defense yeah, I, I'm actually glad you mentioned that because that's something I was thinking about with this uh, dynamic pricing that the sites are using and especially on DraftKings where you generally aren't going to put a, a tight end on your flex on a full slate. On these two-game slates, it's absolutely viable, especially when uh, pricing's uh, built in such a way that you actually do need to fit in some value. You can't just throw in uh, any player that you want. And on the other side of the ball, I mean, if you are going to attack the Broncos, it's going to be at the tight end position. And I mean, it's with all the injuries, it's pretty much Evan Ingram or bust. I mean, he in college, he essentially lined up as a wide receiver and New York has typically wanted to run three wide receiver sets. I don't know how much that uh, continues with their roster makeup now, but if they do, I imagine that Ingram's just going to line up in the slot as a wide receiver and is probably going to be the most targeted player in this game. Would you agree? Yeah, I, that's what I was kind of thinking. I think Evan Ingram gets featured in this game. Last week, had a slow game, only four targets, zero catches, um, kind of showed his floor. So, you know, coming into this game, I think the Giants really have to readjust now. You know, I, I don't really know what's up with Ben McAdoo. I mean, he hasn't really um, shown the ability to adjust too well in the past. I mean, you know, it kind of took him, what, 10, 15 games to realize, you know, this offense wasn't working. It took him, you know, forever to, to, to realize what running back is the right running back to you. So I, I don't necessarily have a lot of confidence that Ben McAdoo will have this, like, ultra sophisticated game plan to fully feature Ingram and, like, just get him loose but I do think that it just Eli Manning I think that's what he's going to be looking I mean you mm-hmm. know biggest guy fastest guy most explosive guy that the Giants have at this point that Eli can be throwing to I think you're going to see a, a lot of passes going Engram's direction and if there's any weak spot of the the Broncos defense it, it's against that tight end position they are uh 24th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed two tight ends and that's a big reason why that is is because teams really do not want to challenge their cornerbacks, especially Aqib Tlaib, who plays on the outside, and then Chris Harris, who plays on the outside, usually in two wide sets and then kicks into the slot in three wide sets. But uh, Harris on Engram, I think that's still a matchup that favors Engram just due to the size. So I, I would think that that, that Ingram has a, a variety of ways uh, to rack up the volume. I think the other Giants player that would probably be targeted a ton, and this might throw some people off because I think a lot of people in the slate are probably going to be looking to to Wayne Gallman or Orleans Darkwa. You know, Darkwa got the touchdown last week. Gallman's kind of been the new you know flavor of the week in this backfield. But I think Shane Vereen is going to be a major part of, of this game plan. He's kind of a guy that also can line up in the slot as a slot receiver. Um, he can he can catch the ball out of the backfield, and we we've seen this before when the Giants kind of get into a situation where they, they can't really block um they can't their line can't hold up which which it probably won't against this Broncos front against Von Miller they just start just passing to Vereen over and over we saw it in week one against Dallas Vereen got 10 targets nine catches for 51 yards we started to see it a little bit last week he got five targets four catches for 27 yards so I think you're going to see Vereen um probably get at least five catches with upside for 10 so on DraftKings especially you know I don't think he has a lot of touchdown upside 
probably not the uh, prototypical fan duel play, but on DraftKings, I think he, Vereen has a, a really good shot at, at, at putting up some major volume in the passing game. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that I, I was in a, a bye week pinch last week in, in redraft and just threw him in there as a, as a floor play because he is going to get those targets. And one guy that I think we have to mention just because of how decimated the Giants receiving core is is Roger Lewis, but we mentioned those corners, and that's not a player that I'm I'm going to be interested in. We've uh, talked about on this podcast and in articles a lot about how much a receiver can benefit from garbage time, and that's usually the wide receiver one. But I think Evan Ingram is effectively that wide receiver one, and I don't know if there will be any correlation to ownership here, but. I did see people in redraft leagues really going over the top in their uh, free agent budget on uh, rostering Roger Lewis. So I I don't know if people kind of go with that somebody has to catch the ball and he's going to be the number one wide receiver logic. But uh, if you follow that train of logic, this is not the week to do it, in my opinion. Oh yeah, I completely agree. I think if you if you just think about how garbage time adds to player stats, it's the the defense is playing a prevent defense. Mm-hmm. There's probably no defender anywhere underneath the sticks and the open part of the field is usually that middle part of the field 5 to 7 yards um beyond the line of scrimmage. The two players that are going to catch the ball for the Giants in that area are going to be Ingram coming from from the tight end of the slot position and Vereen coming straight out of the backfield and just turning around, you know, 5 to 7 yards deep. And I think if if there is an indeed a garbage time, you know, end of this game where the Giants are just throwing against the prevent defense for the last couple of minutes, um I think those are the two players that are going to tack on a few extra uh, receptions. Uh, let's move on to this Indianapolis and Tennessee game. And, and we don't exactly have a line. At least I don't see a line on this one because we don't know if Mariota is going to start at quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. Pretty sure it's going to still be Jacoby Brissett for the Indianapolis Colts. And the game is in Tennessee, but Tennessee, you know, both of these teams, as you alluded to, TJ, just really bad on defense. So I guess I'll just ask you like who which team do you want to attack more? Like do you, do you want more of these Colts players on the road against this Tennessee defense or do you want these Tennessee players even if there's no Mariota at home against this Colts defense? Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, it's a lot of it's going to be so contingent upon uh whether Mariota plays or not, but I mean, Indy's been uh, especially bad. I mean, we we saw them got get torn up by Hoyer last week, and then I I just think that Indy's been too um they they've given the ball up too much and and been way too bad on offense in terms of of allowing defenses to to uh, get turnovers that. I'm more worried about them than I am about Tennessee, even with um, even with Matt Castle. So probably I lean towards Indy's players a little bit more. Um, I'm sorry, Tennessee's players a little bit more on the offensive side. But again, it's really hard to determine without Mariota. I mean, we have Delaney Walker in a dream matchup, but he still hasn't even seen a red zone target. Really hard to get a grasp on what Tennessee's doing with their wide receivers. If there is one player that I'm I'm really looking to, it's probably DeMarco Murray just because we thought they were going back to like getting closer to a running back split and then all of a sudden last week it was the majority of the snaps and majority touches went to Murray by like a really big margin. Uh, he's probably my favorite running back on the slate this week. Yeah, I think 
Tennessee absolutely is going to try to get this running game going. Um, you know, even if Mariota is back, I, I would assume, you know, just kind of get through this game, you know, probably, especially if Mariota plays, I think they'll feel like they at home, they should be able to win this game. And so I think they're going to, you're going to see a lot of Murray. I think you're going to see a lot, you're going to see a lot of Henry as well. Um, So I think both of those guys are in consideration. I think just because of Murray's pricing, he's right there with Henry. I'm not too much higher that um, Murray is definitely the, the, the top value there. And it's kind of a situation where we, maybe we saw it a little last week with Melvin Gordon. And who is another player that, you know, in my, in my fan duel write up, you know, I recommended just because I think, you know, it's easy to get down on a guy, you know, maybe they struggle through an injury, a team has a bad game script or two, and you can get down on a guy. But at the end of the day, you know, these are, these are guys that were drafted in redraft leagues and, you know, the first, second round. And, you know, at this point, I don't think there's anything to say that Murray in this Titans running game is all of a sudden, you know, not what we thought it was. They've just had some, some weird things happen thus far. Um, and, and I, honestly, if they have, if they start Matt Castle, I don't think they have any chance but to ride this running game. Matt Castle not looking good last week. Maybe he'll be better at home. But I do like this Colts offense a lot. I think when you're looking for upside in DFS, I think it, especially as the season wears on, you can kind of find it in one of two ways. You know, at, you either find it in in players in, in in teams that have shown that they can put up a monster day, or you find it in defenses that have given up monster games. And this Titans defense has continuously, um, you know, given up big games to, 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 to various teams and various um, offenses. They rank 31st in, in, in total offensive schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. I actually think Jacoby Brissett has played reasonably well this year. I know it doesn't always show up on a stat sheet, but I think he actually, um, you know, the, the, the Seahawks game got away from them and it was on national TV and he threw the pick six. And, you know, I, I think that's going to kind of probably reflect badly in terms of the perception on him. But overall, just watching him from game the game since he took that first start. I mean, look, they, they they were in the game against Arizona. They only lost by three. They 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 blew out Cleveland early and then Cleveland came back, but they put up 31 points, won that game. They won another close game last week against San Francisco. Um and so I don't think Brissett really is, is a player that is necessarily taking these Colts out of football games. I think he has a lot of rushing equity already, a couple of uh three actually, three rushing touchdowns on the season. He's he's carrying the ball about you know anywhere from three to eight times per game so I, I like Jacoby Brissett a lot in this game I think that you know T.Y. Hilton you see the chemistry with him and Hilton starting to heat up you see the chemistry with him and Moncrief even starting to heat up I'm not sure if Jack Doyle will be back but they also Marlon Mack I mean he he looked really explosive last week I think he's going to get more carries I think people will probably play Frank Gore more than Marlon Mack but I actually think Marlon Mack is the play in this game. I think this is the time of the season. I wrote about this in my Ray Bonds review column this week about this is the time of the season when you start seeing uh, new faces kind of jump to the forefront and you see a lot of these rookies and um, started to put it together and they've had four or five weeks of you know film to watch and just learn teaching moments and and you and there are also a lot of times these explosive players these younger players they're just they're just more 
apt to, 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 to perform well because, you know, they're not banged up and they're more athletic than a lot of these older players that are, you know, been grinding NFL season after NFL season. You know, they're, they're, a lot of guys have been playing more snaps this season are already hurt. So I like these kind of explosive, fast guys as the season progresses. You know, this is around the time we saw Tyreek Hill last year start to take off, Taylor Gabriel. So um, I, I like Brissett. I like Marlon Mack and I like T.Y. Hilton um, in this game. I like Moncrief as well. I think, I think, I think the entire Colts offense just because as you alluded to TJ it's just we know where the ball is going a little more with I think the one question mark sometimes being running back but I, I think you leverage that by just playing Mac um but but I really like the fact that you just kind of know where the ball is going in this close offense and I against a really bad defense I think and, and with the Colts having a really bad defense themselves which which can kind of help a possible shootout um I, I do like a, a lot of the Colts players in this game yeah, I don't remember what, what game it was, but you mentioned a couple weeks ago that sometimes we just have a shootout because we have two really bad teams, and I think that's probably what we're going to see here. Uh, I'm looking at, at the unique pricing, at least on DraftKings, and something that jump out, jumps out to me is the, the most expensive players in the game and uh, of the week. And on the slate, the two most expensive players are CJ Anderson and uh, T.Y. Hilton. And I, I think probably because of everything you said, because of how much uh, how, how much we know Tennessee has struggled on defense, especially in the secondary, that T.Y. Hilton will probably be among the most popular plays. But I think a really interesting way to leverage that because the, the pricing is dynamic for the primetime slate is to go with the two uh, high-priced running backs, those two being uh, DeMarco and CJA, and then and uh, throwing who you you talked about throwing um, um, Mac throwing Mac in, in in the flex position and and uh, fading that expensive Ty play because I think a lot of people are are going to be on Ty on the short slate trying to pr- uh, lock in that only high priced receiver. Yeah, I, I definitely like it. You know, I think you definitely have some equity by going some other directions. Uh, you know, playing a little down, you can get Emmanuel Sanders. He hasn't really gotten off yet. I and I think even you know going back to that other game, you know, everyone's gonna kind of look, be looking at the Giants for cheap receivers. Um, but one thing I think is interesting to note is that again the Giants are going to be without their slot corner for this game that's Dominic mm-hmm. Rogers Cromartie so on a small slate we're talking about you know if we can just get like any type of production out of a, a min price play or something sometimes that can be enough to for lineup construction purposes to put you over the edge and you have a guy you know 3,800 on, on DK Benny Fowler who's mm-hmm. the slot receiver for the the Broncos and you know I wouldn't be surprised to see him involved against this Giants defense who I don't I don't don't know exactly who they're going to put in slot corner um, yet, but you know we've seen Fowler two games ago, seven targets in the game, four for fifty-five, um, and then in week one he, he caught two touchdowns. So um, Fowler certainly a guy that you know we, for for so long we've been kind of wondering who's going to step up for Denver in this in this third receiver role, and it's still not a high volume role, but on a small slate, um, it's kind of that perfect storm of he, he's still going to kind of be you know the you know the full time slot receiver. Um, in an offense that that has the advantage over the defense so I think that's another guy um that that you look at but I think that's a great point about you know getting those high-priced running backs in the game you know maybe fading a T.Y. Hilton you know I usually try to bet against you know anyone but maybe an Antonio Brown or a a Odell or a a Julio or AJ I try to bet against anyone having back-to-back monster games um it just doesn't happen very much I mean T.Y. certainly has a high floor I think certainly we'll have a good game but um if it's kind of like what we talked about last week with Kareem Hunt um, especially on FanDuel it was like okay well he might not have a monster game and if he doesn't have a monster game the fade 
will work because mm-hmm. um you know you know just the way the scoring works and you know this week given that they they priced up people um the Hilton fade could work for the same reason where even on DraftKings you know he he gets you like let's say 14 points or something like that that might not be you know he might not be w- enough to to be you know one of the top 3 receivers or it might be one of the top three receivers, but just barely. And because it's priced so high, it might be not, it might not be the way to get to that optimal or, or perfect lineup that you need to, to take down a tournament in this, in the primetime slate. So, um, I definitely like that. Um, for, for the defenses, who do you, is, do you think the Broncos D is worth paying up for? Or do you like, you know, taking your chances with perhaps one of the, uh, the Colts or Titans just hoping that the other, you know, but we still have a couple of inexperienced quarterbacks assuming Mariota doesn't play. And even he's been, you know, known to turn the ball all over sometimes uh do, do you do you would you rather take your chances on one of those defenses just getting some turnovers or do you think you rather go and pay up for the broncos against a giants team that just really has no way to contend with that defense yeah i mean the the broncos are obviously the safe play but they're not they're obviously not going to be 100 owned either uh the only position that's ranked in the top half of adjusted fantasy points allowed on either side of the ball in this uh, Indianapolis Tennessee game is uh, is the Tennessee offense so so that means the the Tennessee offense hasn't allowed that many points to opposing defenses but uh, the Indianapolis offense has been really poor against opposing defenses. Indianapolis offense actually ranks last in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing defenses. So I think it's definitely worth taking a shot on the Titans defense, just hoping for uh, a couple turnovers versus a, a relatively inexperienced quarterback. I mean, Matt Castle obviously isn't great, but he's he has a lot more uh, reps than Jacoby Brissett. And we know those young corner corner quarterbacks are liable to turn the ball over a couple times in any given game. So uh, given that AFPA rating, I think it's worth taking a flyer at least a couple times on the Tennessee defense. Yeah, I think I think yeah, both of these defenses in this game, you know, have 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 kind of a shot. Um, mm-hmm. I think if 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 Mariota if Mariota doesn't go, I mean, I I didn't like anything I saw from Matt Castle last yeah. week. You know, I I I think he's as much of a target as if not more than Brissett. Um, Mariota obviously not as much. I mean, um, anyone anyone else on the on the on the Giants? That, that you could possibly play. I mean, I don't, do you, do you have any interest in any of the running backs now that it's like essentially a, a three way committee? I mean, besides Vereen catching passes, do you think, you know, Gallman got another 11 carries, but he also got five receptions last week. So, I mean, that is 16 touches. I mean, I think a lot of people are going to look at that. And I mean, he has kind of been flashing. Um, do, do you have any interest in playing him or is just this run defense just too good? Yeah, I'm not interested in challenging uh, Denver with the running back. If I'm going with with cheap running backs uh, in this slate, it's pretty much going to be Mac or Vereen for me. Right, and um, be sure to monitor uh, Mac's status. He said he's going to play. He has like a little uh, elbow issue. Um, it would be ideal if he got removed from that injury report before the Monday night game. Uh, I'm guessing that he will. It doesn't sound uh, too serious. Let's do our bold calls, and then we'll get out of here. TJ, what you got for a uh, start with a game bold call? Yeah, so we actually haven't haven't mentioned this game yet, but uh, I think the Patriots could put up a 50 spot against the Jets. Uh, Jets are on a three-game winning streak, and it's come against uh, three pretty questionable teams. And the last time that the Jets faced a actual NFL quarterback, they gave up 45 points. And Patriots, this is their, their first division game of the year. I know their defense stinks, but... Uh, 
Jets offense still is full of a, a lot of pretty untalented players. And I think Patriots come out, make up, uh, make a statement and uh, they're going to get ahead. But I think they, they leave their foot on the gas. We've seen that, seen them do that before. And I think that's the case this week. Yeah. That, that team with a real quarterback, the Raiders that you're referring to, they only had one good wide receiver and mm-hmm. the Patriots have <laughs> multiple good <laughs> wide receivers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So um, I like it. Um, For my bold call, I am going with the New Orleans Saints. They are, I think they're going to allow less than two touchdowns for the third consecutive game. I think they'll have no problem with Detroit uh, coming off the bye. I've actually liked what I've seen out of the New Orleans defense as of late I think they're coming together a little better than 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 we might have expected but they're getting really good play out of their corner backs which is a, kind of a, a new thing for New Orleans but uh, we've seen Marshawn Lattimore the rookie playing really well and then Ken Crawley actually also playing really well uh, PJ Williams has been doing some good things in the slot um you know the secondary has been much improved on that I still think they got some vulnerability you know, at that linebacker position but um um, the, the pass rush is gonna is, has been coming on a little bit. I, I like New Orleans to, uh, to to hold Detroit down. Who's having some trouble um, just with with their with their offensive line and their blocking. Uh, who you got for a, a fantasy bowl call? Yeah, fantasy bowl call. I'm gonna go with uh, Kirk Cousins as the QB one this week. If we look at the teams with projected points uh, over 27, uh, Saints, uh, Houston, New England, Atlanta, they all have uh, backfields that could put a little dent in their quarterback upside, even if they put up a lot of points. But like I mentioned, Rob Kelly not playing. I think Washington just goes crazy pass heavy against this 49ers secondary this week. I like it, man. Like I said, Kirk Cousins probably going to go a little bit overlooked just because it's not really an exciting uh, a spot for, for the Redskins against uh, San Francisco. Uh, for me, I'm going with Kevin Hogan, the new QB of the Cleveland Browns. I'm going to say he's going to be a top top three. Let's go top three fantasy quarterback um, this week. I think you know every time I've seen Kevin Hogan come into a game, just so many things happen so fast that I think that there's so many different avenues for Kevin Hogan to just score a lot of fantasy points. I mean, on one hand, you have the fact that this Houston offense is set up really well to score a lot on Cleveland, and that could kind of give you know Hogan a chance to to just have to to do some things to, to get him back or in garbage time. But then you also just have the fact that you know we saw Hogan play in a game last year, and 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 he he just went off of running the football. Um, so he can he definitely can run. Um, I think what do you have? He had seven carries. Uh, for 104 yards and a touchdown against the Cincinnati Bengals last season in a game which he also threw uh, 24 passes. And then this season, you know, last game he came in and went uh, against the Jets, 16 of 19 for 194 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. So, and this was all off the bench. So, and then the week, be- you know, the week before that, he, he got five of eight for 65 yards. The week before that, five of 11, but 118 yards, a touchdown and a pick. There's just always so much happening when he's in the game that I think even if he turns the ball over a lot or whatever, that, that just with all the rushing equity and the fact that he just loves to let it rip down the field. And this could be a sloppy game a little bit. I think the Texans missing, you know, two key defenders. Um, I think, I think Hogan found, finds a way with his rushing equity and, and to, 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 to 
finish as a top three uh, QB this week. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of like that. But Houston's defense through the air hasn't even been that great uh, when they've been healthy. Their secondary has been a little more suspect this year than in the past uh, with the loss of A.J. Bouye. And then if you look at the over-unders this week, besides that New Orleans-Detroit game, at least on, on the, the main slate, all the over-unders are pretty pedestrian. And we know that uh, quarterback scoring is highly correlated. We're, we're pretty confident in Watson. So I don't think that that's that far-fetched that Hogan goes off this week. Yeah, like it's, it. it's just kind of one of those. Yeah, man, I think it's it's one of those games where, um, you know, like I said, Cleveland last week, they, they had two turnovers, I believe it was inside the five. So mm-hmm. technically they could have had 28 points in that game. And Hogan this season has been, you know, nine points. I know it's all off the bench and a lot of it is in garbage time. But, you know, or even for his career, you know, 7.5 yards per attempt, 62.5 completion percentage. I mean, it's not been terrible. So, you know, and that's why he's getting a chance to start. So I think I think he could surprise some people this week. Guys, thank you for listening to DFS MVP. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, good luck in all your games this week. Follow TJ on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. Follow myself on Twitter at Chris Raybon. And remember, if you rate and review DFS MVP on iTunes and send a screenshot to DFS MVP at 444.com, you can get 25% off a 444 DFS subscription. Any last words, TJ? Let's just get all of this money this week. Let's get this money. Introduce myself. My name is Ho. Oh, H to the OV. I used to move snowflakes by the OZ. I guess even back then you can call me CEO of the ROC. Ho, fresh out the frying pan into the fire. I be the music biz number one supplier. Flyer than a piece of paper bearing my name. Got the hottest chick in the game wearing my chain. That's right, Ho. Not DOC, but similar to them letters, no one could do it better. I check cheddar like a food inspector. My homie Strick told me, dude, finish your breakfast. So 